You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 25th, 2017. My name is Philip Rosmanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Back with you for another episode today of Locked on Magic. We got a little bit of news to get to today. I'll talk about uh, a signing that the Magic have made. Expected signing, but we'll discuss it very shortly. And then I'll get to today's theme, which is about going small uh, and how the Magic uh, believe that they have the right tools or, or at least how the Magic are going small this year and what that means for the upcoming season. Before we get going, though, I do want to remind everyone that the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is open. So be sure to submit your Orlando Magic questions now that the the, the big offseason hubbub is dying down. Uh, I want to do another uh, another mailbag for the website as well as for Locked On Magic. So send me your Orlando Magic questions on Twitter at omagicdaily or at Locked On Magic. You can also email your questions in if Twitter is not your thing to omagicdaily at gmail. With that announcement out of the way, let's get to the other big announcement, or not announcement because it's not official yet, but the other big news from Monday night, a late, late, late news coming in that the Orlando Magic have agreed to a contract with Wesley Awundu, the Magic's second round pick taken 33rd in the last NBA draft. Of course, it was expected that the Magic would add Uwundu to the roster in one form or another. The team, after all, did take him in the draft. Uh, he was going to be on the roster. It was just a matter of, you know, tweaking some of the fine details uh, that a second-round pick gets. Second-round picks, typically, uh, you know, they're, they're not on a rookie scale. They can kind of shop the market a little bit, maybe try and go overseas and figure out what the best way to develop is. Obviously, the Magic had a second-round pick who played in the D-League, didn't even come to the NBA and probably will never come to the NBA, unfortunately for him. Uh, but uh, a one do is a player that definitely had something that resembled an NBA player in him during summer league, had some impressive moments. He's, he obviously does a lot of things that the Magic like. Uh, and so it was without a doubt that the Magic would bring him on to the roster this year. Now, whether he plays significant, he won't play significant minutes on the roster. He's got... A lot of players in front of him, including first-round pick Jonathan Isaac, as well as established guys like Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, Jonathan Simmons now. Uh, even maybe Marcus Georges Hunt, who played really well during Summer League. Uh, a one who's going to have to fight for his minutes. And honestly, this first year, he's probably going to play mostly with the Lakeland Magic. So if you want to see Wesley Awundu, buy your tickets for the Lakeland Magic right about now. Uh, SeatGeek will probably have tickets up once they go on for sale. Uh, but Awundu is definitely a guy that the Magic wanted to bring in. They liked him a lot. Um, they loved his athleticism. They loved his length. They loved his defensive mentality. So he's a player that I thought really fit the culture and style the Magic wanted to play this season. Uh, or play just in general, want to be. And so Awundu is that kind of player. Um, the details of the contract are still a little bit sketchy. Um it does look like he signed a three-year, $4.1 million deal. That's according to his agent who spoke to Michael Scotto of uh, Basketball Insiders. Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel confirmed that the deal is not fully guaranteed despite earlier reports. Uh, Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel reporting that the third year is a team option. However, the total amount of the contract 
does appear to be worth more than the two players picked ahead of him in the second round, Frank Jackson of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, and, uh, getting his name here, Devon Reed of the Phoenix Suns. They both signed contracts already to a little bit lesser amount, $3.8 million uh, over three years. First two years non-guaranteed, or the first year I think might have been guaranteed, um, but the third year non-guaranteed. For a one-do, pretty much pretty much the same deal, probably paid a little bit more. So the Magic, you know, you know, definitely spending a little bit of money here. Let's not let's not go crazy. They're definitely spending some cash to bring in a one-do, and they think highly enough of him to give him a bigger contract for a second-year player for a second-round draft pick. But they, you know, this is what you got to do to get him in. Uh, a one-do. Played really well at Kansas State. We've talked a little bit. We've talked about him on the show before, especially around the draft. 13 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game last year for the Kansas State Wildcats. Shot still needs a lot of work. Um, proved that in, in Summer League as well, where he averaged only 5.6 points per game and shot 30.3% from the floor. He made only two of his eight three-point attempts. Really struggled with a shot, but he had plenty of really good moments. Uh, where he cuts his teeth is on the defensive end. He is a solid defender. And when he gets out in transition, when he gets space, he's got a head of steam steam behind him. He is a very capable scorer and finisher at the rim. Uh, he's still got to work on his jump shooting. And like I said, I would anticipate that he spends most of his rookie year playing for the Lakeland Magic. Would not surprise me if any home game that the Magic are home, he will be in Lakeland. Uh, essentially, I really, I mean, maybe this is how the Magic are going to play this. Uh, I would suspect that Iwundu will be with the Lakeland Magic, except when the Orlando Magic are home and able to practice. I think the Magic see a lot of value in having, uh, and this is the old regime, and I imagine the new regime feels the same way, a lot of value practicing with the main roster squad, but playing games over in the G League now. Uh, it's the former D League. Uh, so I think that is probably how the Magic are going to sp- to use him and spend him uh, this season. So that'll be interesting. Good to see Wesley Awundu in the fold. Of course, that signing's not official. Neither is the Marie Spates signing. But I really, since the All-Star break, when the Magic finally traded Serge Ibaka, we've seen a, a pretty significant shift in the Orlando Magic's way of thinking. Uh, you know, some of it might have just been roster and, and the Magic deciding, uh, you know, maybe on, on somewhat of a whim to go for Serge Ibaka. Frank Vogel certainly felt probably felt like I could I can work with the defense that has Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biyombo, uh, and and it just didn't work out. Uh, the the NBA is changing, and it's it's something that that everyone seems to recognize and everyone seems to know. The NBA is changing. It's a lot more mobile, versatile game now. To be a successful NBA player, you have. You have to be able to guard multiple positions. You have to be able, as a post player, switch out onto a point guard and impede him from penetrating the lane in the pick and roll. Um, you know, I watched that, that great video that Dane Carbaugh did on what is a slot screen, and you see screens like that, high pick and roll stuff uh, at the top of the key uh, where there's a spread floor and an open lane if the point guard can get into the paint. Those types of plays are commonplace. Uh, players, unfortunately for the Magic, like Nikola Vucevic, like Brooke Lopez, like Jalil Okafor, those players are getting phased out of the game. That They would have been incredibly successful and productive players 15 years ago. In today's NBA, they don't work as well. 
because of that defensive liability. And teams are more willing to spread the floor out and attack off the dribble and pick and rolls and attack off a, a kind of spread off option offense. So the Magic were playing a little bit of catch-up last year with this because they they tried to go to that old-school style. They all admitted we're, we're kind of zagging where everyone's zigging. We want to go big. We believe we can wall off the paint and, and protect the lane that way. And that proved moderately successful early in the season without the offensive piece, but completely fell apart, and, and now the team is shifting gears. So even with this new regime, we're seeing the trend more toward versatility. We're seeing the trend more toward guys who can play multiple positions. The Magic acquired our drafted Jonathan Isaac, a guy who doesn't really have a position. I mean, I think I mean they, they didn't come out and say, like Rob Hennigan did, that he's a forward, but they said, you know, we believe he can play three, four, five, even five. We believe he can play every position on the floor and guard multiple positions, and that's something that we're looking for. Uh, you know, even a guy, even a guy like a one dude can probably guard the two or three. Uh, a guy like uh, Jonathan Simmons has a lot of defensive versatility. Shelvin Mack can can play probably point guard and shooting guard defensively. Defensive versatility seems to be the way that teams are trending as far as the kind of players they're looking for and what makes success. The Golden State Warriors are the perfect example of this, of course. Draymond Green should should not be playing center, yet it works in today's NBA. The Warriors put so much pressure on your defense with their offensive weapons, they make you go small to meet them. You can't post up Draymond Green. He will still beat you. And, And really, a lot of this... It didn't start with the 09 Magic. I want to be be careful to say that. But the 2009 Magic showed that that this style can work, that this style of play can be successful and can win games in the NBA. It's how they took down the Cleveland Cavaliers when everyone believed that LeBron James was going to win his first title in 2009. So the league has shifted fully to this style now, and the Magic are catching up. The element that the Magic are missing, and we've talked about this plenty, and, and every Magic fan knows this, the Magic don't have a lot of shooting. They they, they, they don't have a stretch four even to, to, to spread the floor. In fact, Aaron Gordon, no one was willing to call Aaron Gordon a stretch four. He's, new, he's this new breed of what I call either versatile fours or tweener fours. Aaron Gordon, in a bygone era, would, would have been labeled the tweener. He's not... Big enough to guard power forwards. He's not quick enough to guard small forwards. So where do we put him on the floor? Those guys are now the guys that are the most valuable. I mean, I got called a tweener in high school. No one knew what to do with me. But it didn't matter because I couldn't dribble the ball. These guys, these tweener fours, are the most valuable players on the floor now. Because you can run a pick and roll against them, and they'll just switch on the point guard. And the point guard doesn't get anywhere and the whole offense bogs down because so much of the offense is based on that dribble penetration centers can do that now too you'll see I mean part of the reason the Magic wanted to sign Bismack Biombo was for Bismack Biombo's ability to guard and switch on to point guards at least long enough for a point guard to recover but possibly even for a little bit longer the reason we talk about Jonathan Isaac playing the five is his ability to switch onto every position defensively. We saw a little bit of that in Summer League. 
when he was just packing point guard shots because they couldn't figure out how to get around him. This is the style of play that is working. This is the style of play that is that is the future of the game right now, or is the current state of the game. It's going to evolve again, and some teams are going to be left in the dust as, as, team, as, as new ideas creep into the game. But this is the way the league is now. And so the Magic have chosen the route that they're going to build. They're going to build with versatility. They're not relying heavily on three-point shooting. That is definitely the next element the Magic have to add. And it can come internally with, with Aaron Gordon beginning to make, th- make threes at a better rate or Jonathan Isaac becoming a better three-point shooter. Uh, it, it, that the, 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 shooting, the shooting part of it has to come. But at the same time, the Magic are going small using this versatility. Their focus is on the defensive end. Their focus is on getting stops and getting out in transition and using the versatility to, to interchange on offense too, to have a very free-flowing offense, to, to fit this kind of new, new style of the NBA where it's less about isolation plays and more about pick and rolls and cutting and movement. This is the direction the Magic are heading. And so, you know, toward the end of last season, we saw a little preview of this. Orlando went to some smaller, went to the smaller lineup with Serge Ibaka gone. They went to Aaron Gordon at the four. They had Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier at the, at the two and the three. They let Alfred Payton run the show in transition. And those smaller lineups worked really well for the Magic. Those smaller lineups, you know, while the record wasn't great, eight and 16 is not a good record, and the Magic were still in the bottom 10 in offense and defense they saw a pretty pronounced rise in their offensive rating. They went from 29th to 23rd in offensive rating. And this is without a practice to this is without much practice time to fully install a brand new style of play. And so there is hope in the way that the Magic played toward the end of the season. And they're continuing to double down on that hope with the way they've built this offseason. The Magic have indeed tried to improve themselves in this way. But the one thing that does seem fairly certain and fairly established, fair or not, is the Orlando Magic starting lineup. Free agency often does bring this the, the, the new toy factor. Everyone loves to play with their new toy. I, I, I'll admit this. Uh, you know, I probably stayed up later than I should have when uh, I think it was Dime or, or some, one of the magazines published a, a, a really uh, a way to download 2018 rosters on NBA 2K17. And I downloaded it. It was like 1.30 at night. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play with this new toy I got. And it was fun. I actually had fun playing with the with the Magic, the, the way the way they were created. Isaac was a lot of fun to play with, especially. Um, didn't play a good team. I, 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 was, I, was, I was making sure I was winning. Uh, but, there, so there's, there's always this new toy factor. And I got a lot of responses, especially after the Magic signed Jonathan Simmons. Is Jonathan Simmons going to start for this team? 
And, uh, you know, it's July 25th. We don't know the answer to that question yet. And really, pondering that question really deeply is probably a little premature. Because we don't, I mean, Simmons said it himself. The, a lot of the Magic players are dispersed throughout the world right now. They're not around. They haven't met each other. They haven't played together. No one knows how they fit and, and how things are going to work. I think a lot of that is going to get figured out a lot in September pickup games that the, that the team has when they all start trickling back into town. And then, of course, more importantly, in training camp. Jobs are won in training camp. But... I do think that the Magic have to feel very good about where they stand entering the season with their starting lineup. Yes, the Magic went 8-16 and after the All-Star break. Yes, I, I, I've, I've been on record here that the Magic need a talent upgrade, and there are indeed issues with the Magic starting five. I think we all kind of see them. We all kind of know that, that Nikola Vucevic has his flaws, Alfred Payton has his flaws, Evan Fournier has his flaws, Terrence Ross, we're still, I think, learning about who he is, but obviously he has his flaws too. This is not a championship starting lineup. This is still questionably a playoff starting lineup. But the numbers clearly show that the Magic's effort to go small at the beginning of the season, at the at, after the All-Star break, paid some dividends in that starting lineup. That, at least somewhat statistically, the Magic didn't have to go out and change their starting lineup. There was there was plenty of evidence and plenty of reason to say Jeff Weltman made the right decision sitting and waiting to see what they have. And I'm sure Frank Vogel pushed for it too because he said it throughout the end of the season, you know, we think we found something, you know, we like the way that we played toward the end of the season. Uh, you know, and we think we can build off of it for next season, the 2018 season. The Magic starting lineup, which was Alfred Payton, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic, was a good starting lineup. They posted plus 1.4 points per 100 possessions, net rating, and 410 minutes after the All-Star break. They had a stellar 112 offensive rating. Those are really good numbers. If your team, I mean, just just to back this up, like let's say, I mean, statistically speaking, if you have a zero net rating, so that's you you score and give up the same amount of points, you statistically are a 500 team. So a plus 1.4 net rating for that starting group suggests that they are a plus 500 team. Now, obviously, they're only playing 410 minutes together. There are a lot of other elements that go into place. And yes, that group also had its struggles. That group had issues, specifically on the defensive end. And they gave up a lot of points on occasion. They got beat plenty of times, too. The Magic lost, I think, three games by 30 or more points after the All-Star break. So there's still a lot of problems. That's that's why that's why I've been hedging my bets a lot on the Magic's play after the All-Star break. Uh, part of me believes that it's not completely real. That it, uh, it, it, it was a little bit of a mirage. They did play better, but are they significantly better to get where the team wants to go? That part I didn't know. I still don't know. I still don't think I know. But statistically speaking, the raw numbers say the Magic starting lineup last year 
was very good. Even if you replace Nikola Vucevic for Bismack Biombo, the lineup, that same lineup with Biombo instead of Vucevic had a similar 1.4 points per 100 possessions in 105 minutes. So something clicked with that group. That group had something going. And so it, it kind of felt like, in some respects, the Magic's task this summer was to improve the bench. Create a bench lineup, create some depth so that the team would be so that the team starters could dominate. Or not dominate, but give give the Magic a chance to win games. Because as good as the starters were, you have a plus 1.4 net rating. The way you finish 8 and 16 with that is you have a really bad bench. And the Magic's bench lineups, the Magic second unit lineups were very, very, very poor. There's no other way, there's no other adjective to describe it. They were very, very poor. One of the worst in the league, actually, after the All-Star break. So the, did the Magic improve their bench? Well, they added Shelvin Mack. They added Jonathan Simmons. They've added Maurice, they, they reportedly added Maurice Spates. They added Jonathan Isaac. They still got, you know, whatever Mario Zonia is supposed to be. They got Marcus Georges Hunt, who looks a little bit better, might be a player who can contribute. Still got DJ Augustin on the bench as much as he struggled. It's safe to say the Magic did improve their depth this summer. And so maybe that gives them a little bit more confidence, especially with how they might feel about that starting lineup. For now, heading into camp without any other knowledge, I would say the Magic should roll with the same starting five that they had last year. That's Peyton, Fournier, Ross, Gordon, Vucevic. Barring any other trades this offseason, I would be perfectly fine running that lineup because the numbers say that lineup can work. Obviously, I think you want to give Simmons a chance to show what he can do and maybe push into the starting lineup, but he'll be happy as a sixth man, I think. And I think he'll be successful as a sixth man. And offense for this team is still going to be a problem. Even though the offense was significantly better after the All-Star break, still 23rd in the league. And the defense was was horrid. Magic have to fix the defense from the end of the season and, and the training camp should help. But for now, I think that starting group is passable and is acceptable for this team. And it shows, again, it doesn't quite fit the direction that the Magic are going, going small, though. And so I don't think it's going to be permanent. But for now, with everything that we know, if the Magic are truly in a wait-and-see mode about this roster... They should wait and see because there's there might be something to see in that group. Even if it just gets in eight seed. Even if it just gets in the conversation. There might be something to see. And so I think we'll see the Magic give it its fair shot entering training camp, at least for now. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Remember, the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is open, so be sure to send me your Magic questions Online, you can do that on Twitter at omagicdaily as well as at lockedonmagic. Or if Twitter's not your thing, you can email me your questions at omagicdaily at gmail.com. 
You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Philip R-R underscore O-M-D. That's Philip R. That's Philip P-H-I-L-I-P one L-R-R underscore O-M-D. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places that you would download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, of course, also like our page on Facebook at Locked on Magic, as well as at Orlando Magic Daily. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, even though the news is starting to dry up a little bit, we'll still have plenty of content up at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode. Should have a fun episode scheduled for you tomorrow. Some more magic discussion on the way. Hopefully getting some new voices into the show. Uh, So I'll tease that for now. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Wright. I will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.